that's the spirit. Woo. Oh, wrong button. <laughs> now we're starting. Been doing this how long? They're both red. Welcome back to the last call podcast. My name's Joel. I'm joined 29 and a half kilometers away. ISO boy. That's Eddington. ISO boys. Indefinite ISO boys. Woo! ISO. <laughs> <laughs> You're just joining this the technical masterpiece that is the last call. I'm gonna leave it in. That's where it's gonna start. <laughs> we we did begin with just Snoop Dogg yelling who oh. instead of our intro music. Yeah, to but, be fair, having they're on different panels, but having both the buttons red, probably not the best idea. To be fair, it is still a better intro than anything by seeking. <laughs> if that, we've got to start it, with the rapper i'm glad it's snoop i i uh, mate i reckon second half of the podcast we intro with sea king i if you do that you'll be introing to yourself <laughs> I, can, oh, can, I can handle a lot but sea king is trying, trying to speak semi-coherently after listening to hoodie I think it's a bridge too far. It's just a preview too. We haven't even been blessed with the full track yet. That's true. Rumour has it he might be opening for Snoop on the arena tour next year. No, that's you. Everyone's announcing their arena tour next year like Australia is going to be open. I still have a stadium tour that I've got tickets to in two months that hasn't been cancelled yet. Yeah, I wouldn't have... You reckon shit's going to get open? No. No. It is in Sydney, though, so I might be able to go. I just won't be able to come back. Yeah. It's like the Kid Leroy announced, uh, like, a massive stadium tour. I'm like, in what world? Yeah. No, I, th- I mean, I think by May or whatever next year, because as we've spoken about, I mean, if we can't do it by end of November this year, that's basically an admission that we're never going to be able to do it. Yeah. Because there's going to be no further milestones, I wouldn't have thought, but... We'll wait and see what the roadmap has to say on Sunday. Oh, mate, I am so excited. I will be waiting with bated breath. He's scheduled it well. He knows there's no footy on. We're all desperate for something to watch. <laughs> this is this big look at me moment? He hasn't had enough of those. Actually, no. I admire Dan for, you know, putting up with all the shit. Did you see Gladys? It was just like, yeah, no more 11 a.m. press conferences. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, we're going to have to do that at some stage. And no, no but like... It would take a, an inordinate amount of time out of your week to plan and go to and do and deal with all the stupid questions. I mean... you got to do? Govern. Tell that to her. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't have time to. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I mean... Two, two points. The first point being, I'm pretty sure she hasn't missed a daily press conference since she made that announcement. Yeah, which is strange. The, the second one being, if she's got nothing new to say, I think it's fair enough. It's not as if she said, I'll never come to a press conference again. She said, if there's nothing that has particularly changed from the day before, I don't need to be here. Well, I feel like that's what happened with Dan at one point, but he just kept turning up. Like, he hasn't yeah. been t- hasn't been turning up every day lately. Like, no, no, no not recently, to- but like 
at the at the end of like lockdown three to like the really big well you were still in Canberra I think but like towards the end of like September and October last year wow that was a full year ago <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> but yeah groundhog, groundhog year it really is but like where he just kept turning up and the journalist kept asking him the same question. He was like, yeah, I answered this yesterday. And he's just like, well, what are you doing here? Like, what a waste of time. Yeah. Anyway. How did we get to that? Um, oh, that's right. Whether we'll be open or not, the roadmap. Um, who knows? It doesn't matter. Who knows? I think we know. I think we know pretty sure it will say nothing of any value. Not even nothing of anything, any value, just... The shit that we probably expected and knew. Like, yeah, we need to get to, you know, 70% vaccination rates before, you know, you can walk out of your house. We're going to hit 70% first dose tomorrow, I think. I could be the one that ticks us over. Hey. I wonder if I get balloons and a cake and like a giant celebratory needle. I think <laughs> it's, just a, it's like those keys to the city. You're just like, all right, here you go. You just ended up with like a three-foot needle. You're like, what the fuck am I doing with this? Or just like instead of giving my little my little vaccination card, I put it on a giant check. <laughs> yeah. Dan Andrews is just standing with you. He's like, yeah, 70%. Not even the second dose. Can't open up yet. Just the first one. I don't think we'll be allowed to do anything until we're 80% double-dosed. Should probably be but, November. November. But once we get there... I, I don't see logic would dictate that once we get to 80% double dose, which is probably as far as we're ever going to get, life should be back to normal. Even, cool. even if it's, even if it's not the old normal, yeah. the future normal. Yeah. It'll be what it was in June. I think. No, but like theoretically it has to be more than that. Well, yeah, no, we got to the point where, like, I remember I was like, oh, no, it was before that lockdown. It would have been, like, late April. Yeah, like April. So there was 80,000 at the MCG on Anzac Day. Yeah, yeah, and I was, like, working every week and everyone was doing cocaine off each other, like, that kind of normal. Yeah, not, not a $3 Kmart plate inside. No. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out Nadia Bartel for that one. Almost, oh, I, I looked at the website and I was like, Mike, get me some, some of those plates. Got good reviews <laughs> online. Um, but like if we get to 80% double dose and they say you can still only have 50% of the footy, does that mean we never get back to 100? And again, what's or at nightclubs or bars? Or... Well, yeah. And I think they'd probably be going off the like the UK measures. Like UK, the UK especially England, of, like, full. They have 30,000 cases a day, but they're full. But they're, like, 80-odd percent vaccinated. So, like, I think that's what they're going off. Yeah. But I think, yeah, and it's going to get to a point where, and I've, European countries have already started doing it, but stop measuring stuff in case numbers and start measuring it in hospitalisation rates. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, if everybody's got it but nobody's getting sick from it, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's it's going to turn into a flu. Like yeah. the, the level of, you know, oh, get your shot and stay in bed for, you know, a week kind of thing. So Anyway. 
Anyway, we move. How exciting the football was this week. <laughs> well, I mean, if you were a supporter of the red and blue or the red and blue and white, it was. Yeah, that's true. But as a neutral, as two neutrals, uh, actually, no, I was a staunch Melbourne supporter on the weekend. Yeah, you were, you were barely neutral when I spoke to you Friday night. You were out for blood. Oh, mate, it, it was so good. All right, Friday night, Melbourne absolutely demolished Geelong. And I've never, I've been to some really good Hawthorne wins. And I think this is just because Hawthorne haven't been like pretty successful for like an extended period of time now where we're just a bad football club. This is like a win for me. Watching Geelong lose in the manner that they did after, you know, all the pickups that they had in the offseason. Oh, so good. You know, it's extreme when you get a text from the big fella in China. Oh, yeah. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. He received a text from Xi Jinping. Oh, absolutely. Xi Jinping is a staunch Melbourne supporter. He said, how about this Max Gorn fella? Except in Chinese. No, my, my dad messaged me about halfway through the third quarter. He was like, you watching this? This is great. And it would have been, what, six o'clock in China. And he, you know, it was a school day, I think. So he was just coming off the back of school. He was like, yeah, I just got home. This is great. I'm like, oh, that's how good this game is. <laughs> Fuck Geelong. Fuck Geelong. Rumor has it that a dingo may have eaten Gary Rowan because he remains missing. Oh, mate. Uh, before we absolutely demolish Geelong, let's talk about how good Melbourne were. Because I have old, I, I have, how long do we have? Mate, you don't have work tomorrow. How long do we have? As long as I'm at the convention centre by 11.30? Um, Melbourne, Melbourne were just like next level good. Like it was one of those things where I don't know what happened. And they haven't, like, I haven't seen them play, like, I haven't seen a team play this well since, like, the early Richmond dynasty good. Like, when they were coming on the scene, where it was just, like, domination from start to finish. Like, Geelong couldn't even get their nose, like, in the game at all. Yeah, no, absolutely. They were rampant. And... Yeah. Hard to find a weak link. I mean, I know their back line didn't really get a workout. Um, and it's probably pretty easy for the forwards when the ball keeps just flooding inside 50s, but electric. Yeah, it, was, it was ridiculous. Um, Max Gorn, just a quick word for Max Gorn. One of, the most, word. one of the most ridiculous quarters of football I've ever seen from a football player, let alone seven foot, a hundred kilo bald madman flying through the middle. That goalie kicked from outside 50 <laughs> when Trark got it and then handballed it to the Max Gorn running past. Yeah, to- and then he sunk it five rows deep. Yeah, he kicked it half post height on the run from 55 out. I was just like, nothing, nothing is going wrong for Melbourne at the moment. I am still of the opinion that the goalie kicked in the second quarter was his best one. When, he took, the mark, like, when he took the mark, but he was the only one that knew it was touched. So he just played oh, on anyway, and he charged and snapped it around his body. I was like, 
you are 208 centimeters tall. Yeah. You what are, are you a, doing? A giant. And I think that's, well, he has so many amazing goals. Like three of them were just genuinely like, what the fuck? You are too tall for that. Like the one he grabbed it out of the rock and was being pulled backwards and basically kicked it from when he was on his knee. Yeah. On in the- fa- in fairness, though, that was probably the one goal that it's easier to kick if you are that tall because he did yeah. grab it out of the rock. But yeah, yeah I get your point. But <laughs> it was one of those things where I was just like, what is going Like everything. I, yeah, I would have been more impressed if Caleb Daniel did that. Yeah. I mean, Caleb Daniel can't jump that high. It, yeah, I, I think without hyperbole, it is the greatest game I've ever seen a Ruckman play in my time. Yeah. Let, let alone a final. I know people talk about the great Rucks of years gone by, like Madden and Polly Farmer and all that, but obviously we didn't see them. So really, I think it's only Dean Cox that's probably in that conversation for me from people we've seen. Just in terms of, like, single-game domination? Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of best Ruckman generally, I mean, Max is now one of the five-time All-Australian, I think. Yeah. Um, I- but, yeah, in terms of best single game, let alone that it's a prelim final yeah, and you are, you are the captain, it's just crazy. No, it is huge. Um, what else happened? All right, Geelong slander time. Well, you kick it off. <laughs> I, I've, I obviously I do not like Geelong whatsoever. But being a mildly objective football watcher, sometimes I'm just like, okay, Geelong have the the finals nous and the experience to go into a game and just like meet the moment. They didn't get off the plane. I don't know where they were before this. But they didn't get off the plane. Gary Rowan is still banging someone's misses back in Geelong. Like he had literally, literally anyone's but his own. He had zero touches until halfway through the third quarter. He finished with one touch, got subbed, and then Sean Higgins had nine touches by the end of the game. Uh, yes. As I heard somebody say Saturday, it's the first time I've ever seen anybody in the Herald Sun player ratings get a zero. And, and that, a deserved zero. That's probably flattering. Like, to get zero touches in a game of football, or well, one, but, like, zero up until... Like, what are you... T- <laughs> if you're, like, Chris Scott or any of his coaching staff in the halftime talk, you're down by about 10 goals in the preliminary final, and Gary Rowan... Your third forward has had zero touch. What do you say to him? Yeah. I, what do you say? Pre- pre- pretend the ball's a physio. I, yeah. <laughs> and touch it. <laughs> and touch yeah. it. And, and I mean, as damning as this one particular game was, his body of work in finals is staggeringly bad. It's awful to the point where everyone's just like, ha another bad Gary Rowan final. It goes He's back to... Gen- gen- genuinely in Prince Andrew levels of hiding. um and actually that wasn't the most surprising what surprised me the most is that jack henry and jake collagagini also had like one touch up until halftime and they were getting absolutely pummeled down in that forward line 
How do you not get a touch at all? Yeah. In fairness, Henry was similarly bad the week before because I had him in my multi to get 15 touches. So I was tracking his possessions and he just, no. Um, But yeah, no, it was a a shocking night for them all other than probably Paddy Dangerfield. I think he had 30 touches with a, a broken hand. Could probably hold his head high. And honestly, I think I think he is the one reason that I would would have minded seeing Geelong win a flag because I think I would like for him to be a premiership player. Yeah, nah, I'm good. But, but I, I, I don't <laughs> want to see Selwood or Hawkins. Or... Actually, I'd love to see Ryan win a flag just to see you in play. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, I thought uh, it's like the mild highlights for Geelong. I'd like, I think Izzy Smith and Hawthorne bias aside has been quite a highlight in this general final series considering how poor they've been i know they beat gws but like that was without hogan and hogan. green and, and like, other green and other green so like yeah. you know for someone who's 32 he seems to be their only source of run no one runs he, in that team he's had a fantastic year actually yeah. all year he's been really good Oh, he's been well, great. I know Cameron's been injured for a lot of it. Higgins has been up and down, but Smith has been consistently very good. Yeah. And just uh, like, it was one of those games where <laughs> I looked at Geelong. I was like, are they playing like really, really bad? Because I didn't think like when I looked at each individual player, I looked at like Menengola. I was like, he's just doing Menengola things. I feel like the top 10 players were okay. And then, like, the rest of them were just grim. It was rough. Yeah, I think it was pretty clear they were out of petrol tickets. Like, they obviously old and sort of banged up. They had, what, seven players needed a jab before the game to get through. There was a virus swept through the team in a couple of yeah, days. Yeah, what happened there? The Why did we only hear about that after the fact? Well, because you don't want to use it as an excuse. And even... a, I feel like it's a safety thing at that point. Yeah, but, I mean, if it's not COVID... This probably happens all the time. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it would have been a nightmare for the AFL if they had a, had a forfeit. Seven lots of COVID. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was pretty, it looked to me like a, a side that had been good for a long time that was just completely and utterly spent. And even though they'd earned their way to the prelim, they were just gone and melbourne on the other hand just looked to be going from strength to strength yeah no oh melbourne are so good like it it got it was after that gone goal from 55 where i was just like this is some of the best footy i've watched in so long like just in terms of cohesiveness as a team everyone playing their role and like they just punched along in the mouth out of the center like truck hadn't Absolutely. Like, I know Gorn had, what, five goals and, you know, 20 touches and 50 hitouts. But, like, <laughs> Truck was something serious in this game. Yeah. he's And, like, people like to compare him to Oliver because Oliver racks up the big numbers and he's kicking inside 50 is elite. And all the other great things about Clayton Oliver. But Truck, there is no one in the comp that is more explosive than him when he gets on a roll. Yeah. Stringer, funnily enough, is probably the one close and dusty. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a lot of those like half. Truck, he, he's just unbelievable. He's a bull. Like he is just a bull. 
It's unreal. It's so good to watch. Um, all right. Who, who else had a decent... Even, you know... Um, fuck, what's his name? Charlie Spargo kicked two goals for my multi. Like, I was living a good life. <laughs> Love to see it. Multi didn't get up there. Oh, my multi was... Tom, Tom Hawkins had four shots a goal. One goal, two, and didn't Dro- make the distance. Dropped a mark in the goal square. Which I, like, obviously, in hindsight, I would have liked for him to mark it because it would have probably got my multi up, which would have which was, like, $25, I think. So I would have netted 100 But looking at that, I feel like he was a bit stiff not to get the mark. One on three in the goal square, and he fell on his back and then rolled, and then the ball spilled out. Like, I feel like I've seen less called a mark. So, yeah, I agree. But, you know, it's the multi curse again. Um, and the, the really big multi wouldn't have got up because I had Grian kicking a goal. So, did he kick a goal? Grian did kick a goal. That's why I thought my multi was getting up. True. True. Yeah. All right. Any anything else on Melbourne v Geelong? And uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, it's just put in the record books. Good. Just, well, I guess the, the the reflection that we can do is where did Geelong go from here? Yeah. No. Oh, we can do that now. I, I love talking about the doomed future of Geelong. I know you do. Um. Before we get to that. Some some breaking political news. Hey. Several federal cabinet members were called to a top secret meeting in Canberra on Wednesday ahead of a major international development expected out of the US on Thursday morning. Do we know what the US development is? We do not. It is expected an announcement also significant to the US and British governments will be made at 7am Australian time. Are they sending over their school shootings? Could be World War Three. Ugh. I mean, if at least if I get drafted, I'll get out of the house. <laughs> no, I, I know this isn't a what is it conscription? No, what conscription? Yeah, that's conscription. Right. Yeah, I know it's not a conscription world, but you know, if they draft me, at least I'll be able to you know have a coffee outside of the house. Genuinely, the only way that you can have any freedoms as a Melbourneian is to get drafted one way or another. Yeah, I'll, I'll, mate, I'll try and get drafted for the AFL. Fuck it. Logan Honeychurch, here we come. I'll be, I'll be the 53rd man on a uh, North Melbourne roster. <laughs> yeah, just as soon as the AFL introduced special teams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll somehow become staff. You watch. Yeah, just get yourself a plum gig as like a water boy. Yeah. That would be huge. Hey, get me out of the house. I get get my freaking fly miles up. I think you're the new social media director at Cal. Oh, true. Mate, they need someone. They need someone in a bad way. All right, let's talk about the downfall of Geelong. Um, <laughs> you just see the giddiness in his face. Well, uh, what happens from here? Like, legitimately, they they famously played what, 11 players over 30 on the weekend. Um, Selwood, it, wasn't, it wasn't all on the weekend, was it? I thought it was all on the weekend. I don't think it was 11 over 30 on the weekend. 
all right, I might do some cursory research, but like to be brutally honest, and I, I appreciate, I hate him as a football player. It's, I hate him as a football player, but I like him as a person. I, I think Joel Selwood looked past it. He, he looks cooked. He me? looked cooked. And somebody raised a very good point that I was listening to on Saturday. The amount of finals that they've played in the last 11 years, it's the equivalent of almost a full extra season and a half of footy that they've played. Yeah. They've no. played, played like 35 finals, which is ridiculous compared to somebody like Melbourne, who a player that's played for the same space of time has played, even if they've all played every game, they've played a season well, and a half. There is a direct comparison, isn't there? Uh, Selwood's played 330-odd, hasn't he? Uh, sure. 300 ish. Yeah. Um, Nathan Jones was. Nathan Jones played 300. 302. Yeah, hold on. Let me look up Selwood. Well, look, this is the problem. I'm well, not the problem, but like, uh, yeah, Selwood's played 333. Yeah. Playing from 07 to now. I think Jones was drafted in 08. Around, yeah, around, around then. Um, but this is, this is what's happened to LeBron James. LeBron James has made the finals outside of that one year in 2019 when he was injured, like every single year since 2007. And he's, <laughs> he made the finals 10 years in a row. That's at least uh, 160 extra games. Like that's yeah. the level that Geelong are at. So like uh, that's why all these players have miles in their legs is because they're playing at least two extra games every year. Sometimes three. Um, but yeah, like Selwood looks done. Dangerfield, Dangerfield looks all right. He was probably one of the few. Um, his head high. Yeah. Guthrie yeah, Guth- was okay. But again, like, what have you got? Guthrie's getting old. Guthrie's not, in, Guthrie's not over 30, is he? I don't know, but he's like, he's 28, 29. Like, I, I, I know. Just, yeah. I know this isn't just, dire straits. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dangerfield definitely goes on. Well, yeah. Definitely goes on and should go on. Hawkins looks almost as good as he ever has. <laughs> Hawkins will go till 36 as far as I'm concerned. He looks great. Um, who else? I think Blitzarv still looks good. Stanley's also 30. Stanley, Stanley's had a reasonable year actually, and they don't have much in the way of ruck stocks to replace him. Yeah. So I think Stanley's good. I think, yeah, the worries for me are probably Lockie Henderson, definitely, I think, should call it quits. Yeah. Um, Higgins, I think, probably, well, see, the thing with Higgins is he signed a two year deal at the start of this year. So I, I think they'll just release him after next year. There's no point in getting rid of him. Yeah, that, that's probably true, but I think he's probably almost past it and if not past it I don't think he adds that much more than sort of games they can get into young kids yeah just real quick um and I I wouldn't mind this not happening because I'd love to get him to Hawthorne where's Quinton Narkel Narkel yeah I think there's been talks of him going to Brisbane maybe I think or, or West Coast he's been linked with Hawthorne a lot Oh, maybe Hawthorne. But yeah. I'd love, but like, why are you playing Dalhouse, Higgins, um, 
those type of players over like Narkel, who obviously has something there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that, so that's the argument. People like um, close, I think, and there are a couple of others um, that should be getting probably more game time that aren't because they're being kept out by people like Dalhouse and yeah um, Higgins. Dalhouse is another one. I think probably times up. He's caught. Um, no, he's, he's done. Like Rowan, I think didn't finish the year well, but I think he had a reasonable year if you look at it holistically. Um, and I, I arguably I think their best chance at being successful next year is really exploiting the Hawkins, Cameron, Rowan. Yeah, the third. Three. If if they're fit, firing. And on one, like we saw it earlier in the year, they can kick 15, 16 goals between them. No, That's a good no. point. Yeah. I wonder how different this year turns out if you get a full season out of a firing Jeremy Cameron. Yeah, that's true. But then you've also got like a Sava in there as like a fourth tall. And it, yeah, that is a good point. I guess the argument to that is Cameron can play really high. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's a good point. It's a lot of people to squeeze into one forward line. It's a lot of mouths to feed. Uh, yeah, but who are the other ones that are getting on? Yeah, I think Henderson, Higgins are probably the main ones for me. That, and Dalhouse. Yeah. Because, um, like, it, like, Mitch Duncan isn't that young either. He'd be late 20s. Oh, yeah, I think Mitch Duncan's 30, actually. Oh, yeah, Duncan's 30. Guthrie's 28, 29. Yeah. Like, they're, uh, hold on. They're center line. Reese Stanley, 30. Mm-hmm. Dolph Selwood, 33-ish. Danger, early 30s. Duncan, 30. Guthrie, late 20s. Isaac Smith, 32. Yeah. Like, that is... And this is what happened with, like, Hawthorne and what's happening with Richmond. Everyone's getting old and they don't have the reserves behind them to come into the team to fill those spots. Like you think of like, let's say, I don't know, Selwood and Mitch Duncan. Oh, Mitch Duncan's a bad example because he got injured. Cameron Guthrie get injured. Who comes in? Who fills that like inside midfield spot? Yeah, no, absolutely. It is a massive worry for him there. Um. Yeah, if, if they have those injuries, that they're cooked. And I think they found that when Dangerfield missed some time, Duncan was out in the, the latter part of the year. Mm. Yeah, you love yeah. to see it. <laughs> you do. And it's very possible that they get some injuries to key players and they drop right right off. So yeah, like Richmond. Richmond desk. Yeah, yeah. Because like Max Holmes, okay, cool. Max is Max. Also, every time I see Max Holmes, I think of player you probably haven't thought about in a while. Max Rook. Rook. Yeah, absolutely. It's the hair he wore a long sleeve one time, and I was like, Max Rook. It's it's the mullety dark hair for me. So, yeah, huge. I love uh, Max Rook. He's great. What a player! What a player! Um. But, like, obviously getting Tom Stewart back will help. That's it, true. It That's game. true. I don't think he would have made much of a difference Friday night, to be honest. Probably not. Also, someone who's getting up there, I'm pretty sure Zach Tui is kind of old. He is, but bar a couple of injuries this year, he's been very good. 
Oh, yeah, it's been very so, good. So, but like, so I think, yeah, no. I mean, the majority of their the majority of their players are getting really oh no. Hey, what if you? <laughs> we're watching the European cricket. Oh, I've just seen the, the dropped out field catch that then he let run away into the oh, no. <laughs> It's gone for four. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he got a hand on it. He's got he's gone for a full freshie. <laughs> All right, enough talking. Um, <laughs> uh, if you want to talk about Geelong's uh, misery some more, I'm down. I'm sure we can get back to it. I'm sure we'll get back to it uh, in the next half of the podcast. Um, another just brutal game. Two brutal games this weekend. Um, and this one was less watchable. Western Bulldogs absolutely nailed Port Adelaide to the wall. It was tough to watch. They kicked five goals to nothing in the first 13 minutes of the game and then didn't even look like getting back. Yeah, no. And you kept waiting for Port Adelaide to flick the switch and turn on, and they just didn't. Yeah, what like, what happened? Like, it's genuinely one of the, like, I think we previewed the game and we said, I think we were both on the Bulldogs are a sneaky chance here. But I think Port will pull it out. It's at home and they play well at home. Duh. But like what happened for the Bulldogs to pull out five goals to nothing in the first like half of the first quarter? It was wild. The game was over before halftime. Quarter yeah, time. I, I don't know, honestly. I, this is the exact conversation that Kenny Hinckley will be sitting there having, I'm sure, with anybody that he's talking to, to what happened because anyone they, that- they had the week off, they had the cruisy run. Maybe they had too much of a cruisy run and they just weren't switched on. Um, but like there was no excuse for that, really. The Bulldogs were the ones that should have been battle weary. Yeah. From Melbourne to Launceston to Brisbane to Perth to Adelaide. Yeah, was it five states in 14 days? And they came off a exhilarating one-point win against Brisbane? And a really, really tough and contested elimination final against... Yeah, in the worst okay. weather imaginable. No, they're not even like as... Like, oh, they blew them out or whatever. But that's just shit weather to play in. No one feels oh, yeah. good after playing in that weather. Yeah. No, 100%. I think that, yeah, it's been quite a remarkable turnaround from when Essendon beat them and then Hawthorne beat them. Port Adelaide beat them, but Port Adelaide are a pretty good footy side. Mm. But the two weeks where they lost to us and especially the, the week they lost to you, yeah, um, yeah, they, they just looked completely and utterly gone. But they found a way to recapture the magic from earlier in the year and yeah, it was, it was huge. Again, I, I don't think it can be understated how ridiculous that Bulldogs midfield is. I think you switched it off at halftime, but there was a sequence in the third quarter where it went, uh, I think it was McRae to Smith to Dunkley to Bontempelli to Trelaw and then, you know, to Hannon. Who, Hannon had a really good game. But it was just one of those things where you look at the midfield depth and you're like, that is fucking bananas. Like, uh, maybe this is something we can do next week. Like, after the, uh, like, rank the midfielders of the league. Like, the Bulldogs midfield 
all seven of them probably in like the top 20 25 yeah and that's the real interesting thing coming into the grand final for me i think and i don't want to get too far into preview territory but the bulldogs midfield is definitely i think better Mm. but as a, a midfield unit max max gorn's dominance either makes it a level playing field or almost tips it in Melbourne's favour. Even though, as you said, the Bulldogs probably got seven of the best 20 or 30 midfielders in the comp. Mm. Melbourne, obviously, have got two probably in the top five. But beyond that, their, their depth isn't anywhere near as good as the Bulldogs. But the fact that the Bulldogs struggle in the ruck, whereas Melbourne are the most dominant side of the competition out of the ruck. Yeah, no, and, and like, it wasn't that big a deal on the night, but, like, the inclusion of Steph Martin was big it was a big risk it was a big risk but now that he's got through two games he's going to be a massive asset in that grand final up against Gorn. yeah because i know english didn't i don't think he kicked a goal um but he can oh he can but he he didn't have to yeah that was the thing because they had between shaggy hannon turned up this game shaggy hannon and nort they looked fine and then you've got English. English is really good at getting around like the entire field as like a hybrid ruck forward. Like in the same way that Jeremy Cameron gets high up the field, I feel like yeah. English does the same thing. Yeah. And then there's probably better value when he goes into the ruck. Yeah. Than somebody like that, those key mobile forwards. So yeah, I think that, I think his best position is definitely as that center half forward switching in the ruck, mm. not as the first ruck. Um, yeah. he's a lovely kick goal he's a lovely mark well yeah and then when you send him like he can rest him forward when Martin and then he can like send Martin off instead of doing the like resting forward and he actually has to do something yeah so yeah huge Port Adelaide what a uh, actually we went into Geelong what a Port Adelaide do next year yeah it's a tough one I think if there is actual fire where there's smoke about Titch, I think Port Adelaide could be a really good landing spot for him. I think Titch I think, leave. I don't, I don't think Titch is sticking around. Yeah, because um, I think beyond Ollie Wines, I think their inside midfield depth is probably taking a hit, especially with Rockcliffe retiring and Travi Boat getting older and sort of not playing as much as that, of that inside mid. Because yeah. um, like they've got lots of good outside and sort of wings and flankers with the kids and that. Um, but I think it, an inside mid to help Ollie Wines out. I think they need to get more out of Charlie Dixon. He, he's been so bad for about 18 months now, and it's infuriating. It is. Because he, um, he should be one of the best forwards in the league. He's scary big. He's incredibly yeah. athletic for his size. Like, he should, should be good. Thinking about it, though, if you look at his whole career, he hasn't really been that player other than that six-month patch at the start of last year. Like He uh, did play for the Suns for about half of it. Yeah, but, I mean, even then, he, he was the same player. Like, he should have been he, mauling defenders. But he was just always that almost player. And then he had that six months where he was incredible and people thought, geez, he's turned the corner, he is big Charlie now and then he's sort of reverted back to type so maybe the six months is the anomaly not these 
preceding 18. I hope not, because he should be genuinely just world beater. He should. He should. should. And in fairness to him, he does normally have two defenders hanging off him, and he doesn't ever get outmarked. So, I mean, he hasn't been awful, but yeah, he should be marking more. It it didn't help that I think Mitch Mitch Georgiatis was a big miss. I think Port Adelaide went really small with their forward line. I know they had Laddams and... uh, Why said? Yeah, uh, going in and out of the... But, like, two two big forwards isn't enough. Like, you've got um, Orazio, Rosie, Rosie, Butters, all those guys. Like, they're... (laughs) Well, they couldn't get it out of the midfield in the first place, but when it got down there, they just kept getting outmarked by like yeah. Zane Cordy. And, and that's no, you know, disrespect to Zane Cordy, but like, sure. Yeah. And it's it's not really particularly the fault of the Port Adelaide forwards. It just didn't have the, like, that's not what they are. They're not marking forwards. Nah, no, they're not. Um, but yeah, there, there were seldom a player for Port Adelaide that played well. Um, like Riley Bonner, I thought played well. Um, off the halfback, <laughs> he was like the only one. Dan Houston was okay, and Ollie Wines was like Ollie Wines racked up thirty-eight touches, so you can't have that bad a game when you rack up thirty-eight touches. But I feel like it was the only one in the midfield that was just like, all right, <laughs> fine, yeah. I'll get the ball then. Tried to backpack Lockie Neal style, and and just couldn't get it done. Like. I don't know. There were so many players on this team that were just like not there. Um, like Robbie Gray had a pretty poor game for Robbie Gray. Um, again, Stephen Motlop is just one of those players where he's just like, he's either just really, shit. No, 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 he's either really there, like where you're just like, oh, that was a big Stephen Motlop game, or he just goes missing for about two months. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> Melbourne Western Bulldogs grand final. We're not going to preview it, but how are you feeling about the spectacle? I feel like this is the best outcome. Yeah, I agree. I think it should be an absolute cracker. And it, oh, it's going to be in Perth and it's going to be under the lights with the, the second like, half. Yeah, and like the LEDs and shit. Yeah, we'll get birds of Tokyo jamming out. Huge. I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Mate. Punting on this grand final is going to be massive. You're going to be broke. <laughs> nah, mate, I'm still getting that uh, disaster funding from Settlement. Sweet, sweet, sweet disaster fund. Yeah. <laughs> just, mate, just asking. Sorry, can, can, can you change the deposit account just into my sports bank account, please? <laughs> Cut out the middleman. <laughs> yeah, don't send it to my bank. Uh, just send it to this. Uh, his individual sports bet account I'm keen I'm really keen for this grand final should be good we've got the NRL curtain raiser yeah sure there'll be races throughout the afternoon to waste our money on before the big time mate I've (laughs) I'm gonna spend so much money (laughs) 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 ah well that's that's we do it for the love of the game that's showbiz baby yeah, uh, we do it for content and content only. True. All right. <laughs> Where's Scoops? We need a Scoops appearance before the grand final, I think. 
Mate, I genuinely think we could get him. I mean, I would like to hope so. Not a, but you think where we are, right? We don't have one of the most maligned AFL Facebook pages in all of the land, you know? But I, I feel like he's incredibly desperate to get on any platform ever. Did you see, did you see his post about the uh, AFL Media Awards yesterday? I didn't. I didn't. It was something along the lines of Sam McClure and Caroline Wilson have been awarded some award for their blah, blah, blah throughout the year. Asterisk at the end. Asterisk down the bottom. I was not nominated. (laughs) Uh, Let's have a look. (laughs) Like, yeah, no shit. I just like, I, th- I think he's fully embraced his position as someone I mean, in the AFL media zeitgeist. No, not a meme. <laughs> he's genuinely embraced himself as a like AFL media person. I was not eligible. Yeah, I was not eligible. <laughs> just like, yeah, because you run like a Facebook page with probably what, 80,000 likes or something. Uh, I did like the the fake Fox footy post today. BT and James Brayshaw take out the most coveted award for most mentions of a player's private school past in, a, in I, one call. I did like that. Uh, good stuff. All right. Anything else you wanted to touch on? Uh, from Scoops the- can happily confirm that the grand final show next week will be next Thursday night at 8 p.m. His grandfather. Sincerely, the most committed podcaster in history. Hold on. Oh, starting oh. you're writing checks you can't cash here, Scoops. <laughs> yeah, hold on. Who? Who are you, Scoops? The most committed podcaster. We're we're on like three Wednesdays in a row. We're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want consistency? That's us. Yeah, for the last three weeks. Have we raised the half century yet? Raised the bat? We're almost there. I think we're on 43. 43 or 44. We're getting up there. We have this conversation every week. It's always way lower than I think it is. Well, no, because I I split it up into doubles. So technically, we've almost raised 100. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm at 50 weeks. Well, I reckon we're at 11 months. We missed a few weeks in between. But I reckon we started the middle of October. Yeah, it was just before the grand final, wasn't it? Yeah. Because we started a footy podcast two weeks before the footy season finished. And I think we did mention brilliant idea to start a football-based podcast. With thought leaders. I mean, we're nothing if not marketing geniuses, you know? Yeah, we're nothing. Yeah, I, we're nothing. I could have just stopped it there. God, Spain are having a torrid time here. Mate, aren't they? They have collapsed. They need, what was his name? Mario? Uh, Omar. Oh, Omar, Omar. Omar Rahimi. Rahimi, yeah. Or Pepper Jack Shiraz. Ah, Pepper Jack Shiraz had a shocker. Sorry. He, he had one good shot. He did. He absolutely nailed a six. Oh, good God. All right. Anything else before I wrap up the first half of the podcast? Oh! What are you hit that one, England? Oh, yeah, I'm about 15 seconds behind you. 
for Telstra TV, so they've got a slight delay behind the Chromecast. Oh, right. I was like, Jesus Christ. I think I've already no, seen that one. You just whacked it into the thissets. Thissets? Thickets. We're going to miss. Um, right. Yeah, no, I, I don't think I have anything else other than to say suck shit Geelong. Suck shit Geelong. And I'm sure we'll get on to more football, like rebuilding football things in the second half of the podcast. But, you know, we can talk about Geelong's demise in about eight minutes. <laughs> All right, we're wrapping up. Until then. Oh, look at that segue. Mate, it's way to LeBron out here. Thank you so much for listening to the Last Call Podcast. My name's Jamal. It's been Ash. Any last words? Yeah. Huge. <laughs>